Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Krypton Home Fabrics. They're available at Calico stores and they're made to be so stain and odor resistant that even red wine beads up and wipes away without a trace. You can learn more and get a code for 35% off your purchase at krypton.com slash YHL. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-N.com slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. We sold our house, and it all went down unlike any other house that we've ever sold before. So today we're breaking down how it happened and why it was surprisingly emotional. Plus, are we doing bathroom storage totally wrong? Hey guys, just a quick note about the episode you're about to hear. We recorded it earlier last week before all the announcements of cancellations and closures around the country, so you won't hear any of that addressed in this episode. Things do feel quite a bit different now, just a few days later. I'm sure you guys are feeling a lot of the uncertainty that we are, and we're going to do our best to keep our podcast releasing as scheduled for the next few weeks because we know at the very least, sometimes it's just nice to have a little distraction from the news. But if we can't for some reason, we'll keep everyone posted on our Twitter and Instagram accounts. Uh, For now, here's today's episode as originally recorded. Everyone, please stay safe, stay well, and take care. Knock, knock. Who's there? We sold our house. We sold our house who? That's the end. (laughs) You didn't really think this joke all the way through. I didn't think it through. What about we sold our house and now we're so happy? (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? We sold our house. Now get out. No, but we get to stay here because we are renting back until the middle of June. Yes. But- As for how selling our house went, I would describe it as a bit of a fast-moving train. Yeah, well, this whole thing has been a fast-moving train. We have sold three houses, bought a new house, and yeah, we're like still catching our breath over it and still, I think, trying to just fully celebrate the news that our house here in Richmond is officially under contract. Yes, and when we say sold houses, it doesn't mean they've closed. In fact, none of these three have closed yet. But this house was a, a really crazy process because it's the only one we listed on MLS. You know, that's the multiple, what is it? Listing Mul- server? Multiple listing service. Whatever, service. it's that official realtor service that like if you are working through a realtor, they will put your house on there. And that is what distributes it to sites like realtor.com and Zillow and Redfin and you know all those other realtor apps. If you see it on there, it's because it's been listed on MLS somewhere. Right. And if you are for sale by owner, there's a way you can do it. You pay a fee to get it on there yourself and kind of work around an agent. But we did mention last episode, you can go back and listen to that one, that we are using a realtor to sell this house because it has just been like a lot of interest in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood, for some reason, is very hot right now. And there's also low inventory just in general, but also in our area. And so we've been hearing for the first time ever that we're selling a house, that it is a seller's market. (laughs) Yes. The combination of high demand and low inventory has put us in an advantageous position for the first time because you have lots of people shopping for a house and not many options. So going into this, we had seen ahead of our house, other houses like go up on the market in our neighborhood and sell within hours or days, get multiple offers, get offers above asking like, All the things you want as a seller and all the things we have never experienced before because it was not like this when we sold our other two houses. Like we actually had a fair amount of trouble selling our first house, I would say. Like it took weeks to get an offer. That offer didn't necessarily go smoothly. So we had a hard first go at selling houses. So this feels like a huge relief to finally have it go easily. 
So what we did was something we had seen some friends do with their house to sort of keep this high demand well organized and give everyone who was interested in it a fair shot at making an offer and then also making it easier for us to sort through any offers that came through. So this was sort of like the mechanics of how we sold our house. We talked about how we were having showings over one weekend in uh, last week's episode. And that is different than like having an open house. Like if you have sold a house in the past or like you're just familiar with the general real estate process, at least the kind of stereotypical one that happens here in the United States. So like on a Sunday afternoon, your realtor will come and keep the house open for like three, four hours to allow anyone to come in and take a tour of it, whether they are actively looking for a house or if they are just nosy neighbors who want to pop into an open house. That's what we do most of the time. That is totally our move. We even do it in other people's neighborhoods. We will park and go to their open houses. It's super fun. It is a fun Sunday afternoon activity. And side note, I've been asked, do you think that annoys realtors? I'm friends with tons of realtors. They all love it. They said any foot traffic is great if there is a real buyer in there. They love having neighbors or looky-loos in there, too, because it looks like it's hopping. It looks like it's in demand. Realtors by nature love to network. They love to give out their cards. So even if you are not actively shopping, they welcome you to their open house. They hate when an open house is empty. Just be honest with them is always their reaction. Like, don't act like you're buying if you're not out of fear that they'll be mad that you're there. Just say, oh, I'm a neighbor and I'm just checking it out. Or we often say, oh, we drove down to the neighborhood because there were a few open houses in the fan, one of our favorite areas to look for inspiration. And they say, great. And then they don't bother you to buy it because you're not lying and saying you want to buy it. Right. (laughs) Good side note. But we didn't have an open house. Instead, what we had was a weekend of appointment-only showings because our realtor had made the suggestion that if there is high demand for a place, you want it to be somewhat more organized than a free-for-all open house where people are all trying to cram through within just a matter of hours because that could just be chaotic and hard for them to give personal attention to each person coming through and answer questions for each person coming through. And for you as the homeowner, it's also scary to think that there might be like a crowd of people in your house, like effectively like a large party without you there. Yeah, party at my house. Everyone's coming but me. Right. Well, and the funny thing is that we kind of knew what to expect from this because our friends had sold their house two weeks before we sold ours. With a similar aesthetic and a similar house, theirs was much bigger and in a different price range, but it was interesting to watch how theirs went because they did the exact same thing that our realtor recommended that we did. They listed it on a Thursday. So it hits MLS on a Thursday. But in the notes, it says no showings until Saturday and Sunday. Call me to schedule. That way, the realtor can make sure everyone has their own pocket of time. Nobody's on top of each other. Right. And they literally put in the notes. Our friend's agent did this as well. We will review offers if we're lucky enough to have them on Monday. And so what it does is it levels the playing field for everyone. Everyone knows they're coming within a two-day span, and everyone knows all the offers will come in at the same time, and then the homeowner gets to just wait them and decide what's the best offer for them instead of people rushing to get in early, thinking they can keep others from getting in if they get their bid in early enough. And I think it makes it much easier to evaluate an offer as the seller because if we had started getting them on Thursday or Friday, we might have been like, should we not even do showings on Saturday or Sunday? Should we just accept an offer? And it just can scramble your brain because you don't know what might be coming. Yeah, and I like that it kind of eliminated the rush that I feel like sometimes happens in these selling situations where the process kind of rewards who is ever first or fastest. And it encourages people to sort of like race to get their offer in or to make quick decisions about things. But by kind of outlining the timeframe up front, it gave people time to, you know, 
come into town if they needed to or to like double check on their financing if they needed to. Like it gave people a little bit of time in which they could make sure that they were doing what was right for them and they could offer what was best for them. And so it made us feel more confident at the end that we weren't just having to pick whoever was first or fastest or whatever, but we actually could look at things in a more apples to apples way because everyone had had the time to do it. Yes. And at the very end of the day, guys, we had 30 showings scheduled going into the weekend and we went to the beach. We were like, we're out of here. Wait, wait, can I jump in with one other sort of caveat to this? Sure. Because there are people who have asked us, I'm sure some of you are thinking that like, yeah, 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 this is not normal though. This is just because you guys are bloggers. Like people this know your house. This is the young house. house love effect. Someone said that to me. I said, no, like five of my friends have sold in the last month. It's happened to all of them. Offers over ask, multiple offers. Our friend got seven offers and she had 20 showings and they were all in one weekend. So that number of people flocking to the house for showings and then that many offers coming in, it is just a crazy low inventory seller's market yeah. right now, at least where we live. Yeah, I I mean, I think we may have gotten more showings because of the fact that people know our house and people are already familiar with what it looks like. So I won't deny that there probably was an element of it, but I think we still would have experienced something very similar had that not been a factor because there certainly wasn't a young house love effect when we sold our last two houses. Right. In both cases, our first and second house sold to someone who didn't know us from Adam. Yep. Didn't care about our blog. Just was like a very removed transaction. I always tell people, if you think about the pool of people who know us, like whether you listen to our podcast or read our blog or whatever, of that group, there's a very small portion that actually lives in this region. And there's an even smaller portion within that that is actively looking for a house. And even of that group that is actively looking for a house, it's probably a very small sliver that our particular house meets the criteria of. Like it may not be in the neighborhood they want or the price range they want or the size they want. Like it is a very, very small overlap of I know of Young House Love and I want to buy Young House Love's house. So <laughs> younghouselovehouse.com. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be their blog. Right. Sorry, but I know I cut you off. You were saying that we had... Yeah, we had 30 showings going into that weekend. So we drove off to the beach house, said, good luck with everything, Shannon, who's our realtor, and then said, just text us with any questions. Well, she texted us a few questions throughout the showings. Everything went really well. And she said at the end, by the way, there ended up being 51 showings. So I was shocked because I thought 30. How did it balloon to 51? Well, 30 is a mind-blowing number for me because, again, we were coming off our last sale having maybe three showings across like two weeks. So to have 30 in one weekend was so amazing for us. But then to find out it was 51 was even like harder to believe. And also there was a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, how many people were in our house? Well, she said over 200 because it was usually a couple and a realtor. And sometimes it was a couple and a realtor and their parents or their brother or sister. Or their kids. Or their kids. So we were like, wow, that's a lot of people. First of all, I thought our house would be trashed. Guys, no evidence of people being in there at all. No, no, there was one piece of evidence someone had started a puzzle upstairs. Yes, we think a mom put her kids in front of a puzzle that we had out on the table and they did a little bit of the puzzle. But I was like, what nice people who came to showings and they helped us with the puzzle. Yeah, I felt bad they didn't have time to finish it. I should invite them back. (laughs) But I thought there'd be like leaves and dirt everywhere. Sherry expected to be like a frat party, like solo cups, beer pong (laughs) table, like... I just thought there'd be evidence of people and there was not any, like the house was clean. It looked like no one had been there. I honestly was like, is someone punking us and nobody was in the house? Like the doors were just locked the whole weekend. Well, we know that it was not a punk because we were fortunate enough to get several offers out of it as well, which again, I can't overstate how grateful we are for this process to have gone the way it has because it is so 
opposite of what we've experienced in the past. And we can have empathy for the buyers because when it's a seller's market, it's annoying to be a buyer. And we have been in those shoes too, where you are trying to be competitive and you want to be the best offer and you might not get picked and you can't sleep because you're worried about it. I was like almost getting sad going through the offers because I was so quick to see ourselves in those people's shoes because we have been there. Like even buying this house, we knew there were other people interested in it and we you know, wrote the best offer we could. We sent them a nice letter to say like, you know, we're this family that is excited to renovate and live in this house. Like we crossed all of our fingers and toes to get this house. And we were so grateful to have gotten it that it was hard to see people do that for us and knowing we only have one house to give. Like I wanted to sell 10 houses because I wanted to give everyone one, but we just can't. You can't do that. Really, it was heart-wrenching because every single letter was a person who deserved this house. We just don't have, we got 14 offers, guys. We don't have 14 versions of this house. But it was an extremely thoughtful decision and it all just came down to the terms. We didn't want to pick based on like the cutest family picture. That did not seem fair at all. I feel like that, <laughs> that goes is, against yeah, I don't think you're allowed everything to do that. that you're supposed to do. So we just went with the best terms and it was not the highest offer. We did not do it based purely on the number. Right. Because when you're looking at an offer, it is a lot about the price, but there are other things that might be unique for you. And in our case, it was the fact that like we need to still live here a few months. Like we would like it to close quickly so that we we can put the money towards our Florida mortgage, but we still need to live here until the like middle to end of June because we want to finish out the school year. So like that was an important term to us that we could have some agreement with the new buyer on that. And that would be an easy process. And so, you know, it was things like that that we also had to weigh when we were looking at everything. And it was another example as to why I'm glad we had our realtor Shannon involved is because she not only could help you know, manage the offers that did come in and help us evaluate them. But she also was able to communicate to the buyer's agents, you know, the people who were put in the offers ahead of time, some of the things that would be important to us. So like people knew going into it, we would have to rent back the house for a few months. So it saved us some like negotiation time in the back end because we didn't have to go back and say like, oh, but remember, you know, we got to stay here till June. So if you could revise your offer, that'd be great. Like it streamlined the process a lot. Totally. So yeah, long story short, our house is sold. We're going to be here for, you know, another three months-ish as renters. So that's going to be new. We're going to be in the position where like we can't change anything. Like we are not allowed to make the house look different than it looked when the person put their offer in. So like, I guess our hands are tied for a little while, which is maybe a good thing. (laughs) I think it's great because we have a lot of work to downsize and plan things. And we're actually embarking pretty soon on the renovation starting at the new house in Florida. And so there's going to be a lot of sort of long distance renovating, planning, like research for how we can go about doing certain things or accomplishing certain things. So I think we are going to have a lot of home improvement going on. It's just not going to be in this house. And I also think it will be nice that we can turn our focus at this house to like what we're bringing with us, what we're going to sell, what we're going to donate, what we're going to offer to the new buyers. Right. Yeah, that's another good point to say is that um, some people have asked about selling our homes furnished. And we did sell the duplex and our pink beach house fully furnished. And that is just kind of because that's a fairly typical thing to do with a vacation house or a second home, because a lot of people, when they are buying a vacation house or a second house, they don't have a second house full of furniture to transfer in there. And so buying the house furnished from us saves them from having to go out and buy you know, a new couch, all new beds, stock a full kitchen, the things that we have already done. And for us, it was nice to be able to sell those things furnished because 
we don't need that stuff. Like we already have to put a lot of effort into paring down the things here in our Richmond home. I certainly don't need all the secondary and tertiary things that are in the beach house and the duplex too. Right. To remind you guys, we're moving to a house that's less than half the size of this house. So we don't even have a spot for things in this house, let alone stuff from other houses. I will say that in the pink house, there were a few special things that are coming with us. We took the things we wanted from the house before there was a showing for the potential buyer. So I took an old blue and white inlay dresser out that I've loved forever. It's my favorite thing I own. And then I took some um, spool wood nightstands out. They have like a spoolie design on the side of them. They're sold out. They're hard to get. I had a spot for them. They're the right proportion. They're littler than the things that we use as nightstands here in Richmond, which will not fit in our future room. So we just did some hard thinking about the few things we couldn't easily replicate or find again and that we really wanted to keep. And then we switched them out before the buyer walked through. We changed out that inlay dresser for just a little white Ikea dresser. We already had it. And we changed out the side tables for some nightstands that we already had in Richmond. So it was $0 spent. We just brought a carload of things to the pink house and then put the things we wanted to keep back in the car, drove them to Richmond. They're currently in our garage covered in drop cloths because there's not a spot in this house, which further reinforces we have a long way to go when it comes to getting down to the right amount of things. Yes. And so we are going to be selling a lot of the furniture in our Richmond house, but we are not selling it furnished. So like the contract we got was not for a furnished home because we have lots of stuff here that we are going to reuse that we are attached to. So we didn't want to put that on the table as a like fully furnished sale, but we are going to give the buyer a first crack at the things that we are willing to sell. So we're going to basically, I think, just give her a sheet of saying like, these are the things you could buy. This is the price for them. Tell us what you want. And then the things that she doesn't want, we're going to just, you know, sell by Facebook marketplace or whatever, I guess. Right. And to give you guys an example, in this house currently, we have two sofas. We have the sofa upstairs in the bonus room and we have the sofa in the living room. New house just needs one sofa. We're not going to have any duplicate places. It's a much smaller house. So we're selling almost all the furniture in the bonus room because we are not going to have a bonus room in the new house. So that doesn't make sense to move it. But it's really nice to be intentional with this. We know the room size is there. We have the measurements. So we can work with that information. Like a lot of people have said to me, how do you figure out what to bring? I think it's one part, what do you love the most and want to make a spot for? Like how hard do you want to work to fit this into your house? And it's one part being realistic with if there is actually a need and a space for that. So it's like a heart element for sentimental things or what you really, really want. But even if something has a heart element, if there's not a spot for it, it makes no sense to move it. Like an example is- It has to be a head element also. Right. It has to meet both criteria. A perfect example of that is that the big rug in our bedroom, it is the best secondhand find of my life. But it is big and our new house does not have a room that would support it. It would literally roll up and hit the walls. So a really close friend of mine was like, dibs, I want to buy it. You can visit it at my house. The funny thing is we're going to house crash her because she's doing a lake house. That's her full-time home on the lake. And I am going to shoot it and you're going to get to see it on the blog as someone else's rug. It's like we have um, visitation. I have visitation rights with the right. rug. You have joint custody of the rug. Exactly. But in those cases, it's like, we don't want to spend the money and time and energy to move things that don't have a spot. So we're looking in the mirror, we're staring at our faces and we're saying, is this realistic? Is She's there talking a spot about a this? metaphorical mirror <laughs> and our metaphorical faces. I am looking at my face in the mirror and saying, Sherry, are you being realistic here? Or is this just you trying to pack all your favorite things in a truck with no idea where they're going to land? And then mirror Sherry says, you are not being realistic, Sherry. <laughs> 
<laughs> you need to have a talk with John and Mirror John because they will set the record straight. <laughs> oh, man. It's really fun, though. I know it sounds overwhelming, but this has been it like... It is overwhelming. Oh, see, John's, John's always the worried one I, But I us. don't mean overwhelming as just the negative sense of the word. Like, there's a lot of exciting, positive things happening. There are a lot of challenging things happening. But there's just a lot of things happening. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So like you were saying a few minutes ago, I'm grateful that we are starting to close the books on these houses here in Virginia so that we can be more focused on what's next in Florida and give that the attention that it deserves. Because, you know, in four months, like that's going to be the thing that matters the most to us. That's going to be our sole focus. And so I'm looking forward to getting past all the overwhelming stuff so that we can focus on what's ahead. And you know what's also ahead? What? A game. Okay, so this is a game we like to call What's Not, because I'm going to give Sherry a list of things in a certain category, and one of them is fake. So Sherry has to tell me what's real and what's not. And I figured this one, because we just last week shared the reveal of our master bathroom, I would give you a bathroom-themed game. I'm ready. So, and if you didn't see that last week, we'll link in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yeah, there's a full budget breakdown. You guys have been asking for the money, the dollars and cents of that for as many months as we've been doing it, which is a lot of months. It's a very long renovation. (laughs) So you can find that all at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yes. So someone suggested this to us. Uh, It's an article from Reader's Digest, Sherry's favorite magazine. Love it. It's called 11 Things You Shouldn't Store in Your Bathroom. Oh. So things that should not be kept in your bathroom. Because of the humidity? I'm not telling you why. Hmm. I'm just telling you some things from this list. I have seven of them, and one of them is a faker. So something you can keep in your bathroom. Okay. Number one, books. Hmm. They're going to say no, but that's bogus. Okay. You don't keep any books in our bathroom. I don't know why. I mean, I read them in the tub while it's steaming hot. And guess what, guys? The books are fine. Okay. Number two, medicine. Uh, they're going to say no, but everybody does that. Okay, number three, makeup. This list is a buzzkill because I call <laughs> the bluff of all of them. <laughs> Toilets. No, just kidding. Yeah. That should be in your bathroom. No, um, your razor. Maybe that's the faker because everyone stores their razor in the bathroom, but they might say because it could rust because it's, there's humidity. Next, jewelry. Mm, they're going to say the same thing. This is really easy, isn't it? You know what this is? This is like, what's that movie with Ben Stiller and he's like very risk averse? Oh, um... It's a beautiful movie. Everyone listening. This um, is a weird digging the, within the game. The Smitty. Yes. Um, Walter Smitty. Walter Mitty. The the journey of Walter Mitty. The adventures of Walter Mitty. It's something like that. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie, but in the beginning, he is afraid of everything. Walter Mitty wrote this article. Oh, you're, you know what? He is credited with it. No. <laughs> okay, I've got two more. Your toothbrush. Oh, my gosh. And your towels. Oh, my gosh. Okay, first of all, guys, expert Sherry says you can store all of this in your bathroom, and your life is worse if you store all of it outside of your bathroom because you want it in your bathroom. Um, You know, we do store now our towels outside our bathroom. I was just going to talk about the towels, that the towels might be the fake one. Yes, they might get, like, not as dry or something, but everybody does it. Is that your official answer? Towels? I'm going to say toothbrush. They're going to say the poo particles. Everybody tells me the poo particles. When you flush the (laughs) toilet, the poo particles can get on the brush. Listen, you could put them in your vanity, and this just says don't store them in your bathroom. So I think everyone's going to store their toothbrush in the bathroom, but just in a closed space like a drawer or a cabinet so the poo particles are not a factor. Okay. Um, Well, you're wrong. What? 
But you may have outsmarted the list because I think your logic on the toothbrush does kind of negate what they say because it is about the fecal matter. I knew it. That they said, don't keep it near your toilet because there is fecal spray when you flush or make sure you flush with the toilet lid closed, but no one does that either. No, the faker I put in there, which was on a small technicality, was your razor. Oh, darn. That was my second guess. Yes. I think your razor is just fine in there. Yeah, they said that, you know, obviously you probably need to keep your razor in the shower if you're using it to shave your legs or whatever. But they did say don't keep your spare razor blades in your bathroom because they will prematurely uh, rust and maybe wear out or dull from being in a space that has fluctuating temperature and humidity levels. And yes, that was their big overarching thing about a bathroom is that a lot of these items that people typically store in their bathroom, you should reconsider storing because if you get a steamy hot room, you know, when you take a bath or a shower, that can cause damage to items like um, makeup. Uh, They said also perfume and nail polish, medicine, also vitamins. You know, I think medicine even says on it, like store in a cool, dry place. That is not your bathroom. Question, follow-up question from me. I'm waving my hand in the back like the kid in class. He's like, look at me, look at me. If you put it in a medicine cabinet or a vanity drawer or cabinet, it is a cool, dry place. Is steam sneaking in behind your seal of your medicine cabinet? I mean, if it's an airtight medicine cabinet, then probably no. But I think most of us don't put it in a, you know, Tupperware that's sealed, you know, and even then temperature changes as well. Like, But do you think in our vanity, so our medication is under the vanity behind the doors. You think steam is going behind the doors? I think the humidity of the air, like if you actually like checked it with the meter or something in the whole space goes up in those areas i think how it, is it getting in the medicine cabinet it's air <laughs> air gets everywhere i don't know i'm calling the bluff and also guys i get how they're saying it could degrade something prematurely but like your towels what are they gonna fall apart into rags well, on the floor no that is an issue more of mildew so smell and germs and stuff is that if they are staying in a space that is constantly getting damp they won't dry out fully and then they also can breed you know some nasties in there so you may want to store your towels also your bathrobe outside of your bathroom and it made me feel better because as we talked about in our post last week like we now hang our bath towels out in our bedroom because that was the best spot for them it's only a few steps from the bathroom so we just grab them before we take a shower and like you know drape them over the tub like temporarily so we can grab them because you don't want to be walking out to another room you know dripping wet from the shower right Well, I just, I noticed that they acknowledge it would be annoying to keep your razor outside of your bathroom. All these things are annoying to keep outside of your bathroom. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you don't keep your makeup in our bathroom. Right. Because it's in a little tiny zippered container in the car. Yeah. I'm a car makeup person, guys. And we keep our vitamins downstairs in the kitchen. So what's to say we couldn't move all of our medicine down there somewhere or just somewhere in your bedroom? Like, I think a lot of it is saying, like, just put your spare thing. So like your spare linens, your makeup, your nail polish, like put that in your bedroom because even just being one room away from the bathroom means that you're not having all that temperature and humidity changes. To me, it sounded like you almost need to be a college student again. Remember like the college like shower caddy that you walk down the hall with? It's like they're saying you should live like that. It does sound very inconvenient, but you know, if you want to be a Walter Mitty or Smitty, here you go. (laughs) Um, So I will put a link to this list in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. So if you want to read all 11 things, they were all kind of in this same vein of things. Also, though, they did say you shouldn't have your phone or electronics in there because it should be a Zen space, Mm. which I disagree with. We listen to podcasts in there. What is a phone for if not taking it to the bathroom with you? (laughs) 
The modern day magazine, guys. <laughs> well, and actually, Sherry has another phone thing she's digging this week. It's an app that she did add to her phone after decluttering it last week. You guys, I thought I would hate this thing, and I love this thing. Yeah, maybe a little bit too much, but we'll talk about it after we take a quick break. So we have kids that eat on the couch, we have a dog that stomps all over our pillows, and that's why our ears perked up when we learned about this week's sponsor, Krypton Home Fabrics. Yeah, so Krypton makes performance fabrics that you can find at Calico stores, and you can buy them there by the yard for your own DIY or reupholstery projects, or you can even work with Calico to create a whole new piece of custom furniture. Yeah, and the coolest thing about Krypton is that their fabrics are crazy durable. Like, red wine literally beads up and rolls off of them. Yeah, like ketchup, kids' juices, soy sauce, basically anything you could throw at it and i've heard that like at furniture markets they literally do that like they literally throw stuff at the fabric to watch it roll right off i feel like i would enjoy that very much and i like that it's not some smelly chemical that they're spraying all over it krypton technology transforms their fabrics at a molecular level so whether you're talking about velvet or linen the stain and odor resistance is sealed into the fabric so it doesn't break down wear off or off gas into your home they actually hold themselves to a really high environmental standard yeah so you can learn more about krypton at krypton.com slash YHL. They're also giving you guys a 35% off discount code for your in-store purchase of Krypton fabric or custom products in Krypton fabric at your local Calico store. Just head to that website to get the code. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-N dot com slash YHL. May I do my we're digging first because it is about bathrooms. It's something that was in our post last week, but I feel like I didn't get to highlight and give it its due. Yeah, you like to stick with a theme. So let's stick with the bathroom theme and then we'll skip over to the new app. I am digging profusely. So we talked in our post last week about how we opted to keep our shower curtain on our new shower instead of installing some like, you know, glass door panel or whatever, because we like a shower curtain. We like the coziness of showering behind a curtain and I guess maybe the privacy it gives. Right. And everyone's like, you're going to cover your tile. Guys, we leave it open. We see the tile from every angle. I watch the tile while I'm in the tub. I brush my teeth and I stare at the tile. I see the tile when I'm in my closet mirror. The tile is all around me. And when I'm in it with it closed... I see the tile because I'm in it. (laughs) So like never is the curtain blocking me from the tile ever. Zero percent of the time. Yes. But the thing I wanted to call attention to was the shower curtain rod that we use because sometimes it is hard to find a good shower curtain rod because there are either the drill in kind, which like you can rely on actually staying in place, but that requires drilling into something. And if it is going into tile, you're making like a permanent hole in your tile. It's not like wood that you can easily patch. And that would have been the case here in our bathroom you would have had to drill it into place so your other option is like a tension rod which does not you know require any drilling but we have had a spotty history with tension rods because inevitably they fall down at some point <laughs> and you'll be like across the house and you'll hear pow, bow, 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 bow. and you'll walk from room to room because you'll be like was that a frame falling was it something falling off the counter you make it sound like we have a lot of issues with mysterious <laughs> noises in our house there are constantly things falling and it's always a question as to what it is i just know when it's the shower rod i'm never like oh that's the shower rod i'm always like i wonder what that was and i have to walk from room to room only to discover oh it's the stupid shower yeah. rod we used to have a lot of trouble i remember in the beach house because we had these um, tension rods we tried there and we'd come back after a couple weeks and they'd both be on the floor. So <laughs> You wouldn't even get to hear the bow, 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 bow. Yeah, what's the fun in that? 
So what I'm digging is the tension rod that we have found that seems to go the distance and actually stay up and not fall down. We have them throughout the duplex. We now have them in the beach house and we have one here in our master bathroom. They have never fallen down and we own, let's see, there's six bathrooms alone in the duplex. Four of them have showers. Yeah, we own seven of them. Seven. Uh, yeah, seven of them because we still have a screw in shower rod in our hall bathroom because it goes into drywall, not tile. Right. And I will link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. It's from Amazon. It's from a company called Joe's Home, like eat at Joe's type thing. So I was skeptical about it at first, but it had good reviews. And the thing I liked about it is that the like tension part, like the actual portions that um, touch the wall or make contact with the tile aren't like super giant and clunky looking. A lot of them, in order to make the tension portion work, they have like a giant surface area or like a giant pad at the end, and that doesn't look as nice. So we liked the look of these. And again, so far we've been 0 for 7 on any of them falling. And I can't recommend it enough if you have had the same shower tension rod trials and tribulations that we have had in our lives because this one has solved all of our problems. It makes me want to swing on it and sing, I came in like a wrecking ball. No? No. I don't think you should swing on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put that out there that that's not a good idea. Okay, fine, Walter Mitty. If this were a commercial, it would say, do not attempt on the bottom. (laughs) Okay, and what I'm digging is an app that I had to be convinced to try. It's called Marco Polo. And the way I would describe it is it's like a way to keep in touch with people you can't be face-to-face with because it's almost like a FaceTime. You do like video messaging, but it's not real-time at all. So like someone can record a message for you and it will just land there. And when you have a moment, it might be at the end of the day, you can watch it and record a message back to them. So there's none of this urgency to reply, which I really like. And at first I thought I would hate video. Like there's no part of me that's like, let me film myself saying this. Like it is not my instinct at all. It's like you don't have the instinct to like send those voice messages on your iPhone, like where you can record your voice talking for like two minutes instead of like typing it out. Right. I don't at least. We even like text with our fingers. We have relatives and people who do like text to type. What's that called? Voice Voice to text. text. Yeah. It's almost just like texting someone a video of yourself, which is something I don't think most people do. But the app interface makes it really easy not only to send them, but also to watch them and keep track of a conversation. It almost to me feels like um, private Insta stories because can't you like upload Insta stories for only like a group of friends to see, you know, instead of your whole public audience. Yeah, it's called close friends or something. And you can just send them to each other or to the group of close friends. Yeah. So if you do that already, this is probably kind of the same thing. Although I think you maybe like it because it's a separate thing. So you aren't going to accidentally like send a private message publicly to all of Young House Love's followers. Right. I really like it because, and I'll tell you, the person who got me on it is Julia Markham from Chris Loves Julia. And she, me, and our friend Kim Vargo from Yellow Brick Home, we all talk and we're all on a chat you know, like a text text, chain. And then we have an extended one, which is our our husbands too. So there's like one with six of us and then there's one with just us three girls. And Julia was like, guys, I am so bad at texting. Come on, Marco Polo. And I was like, what? Like, why would she want us to get another app? Like, it doesn't seem like the answer if you're bad at texting to go to a different interface that now requires video. Like texting seems easier. So at first I was like, why? Yeah, you can read a text anywhere, but there are certain situations where you can't watch a video message. Right, or make a video message. Right. And so I was 
was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm a nice person, but I'm not going to like it. I'm going to throw Julia a bone. <laughs> right. So I downloaded it and she immediately sent us a polo. I'm calling it that. I don't think that's really the term. I think they're always called Marco Polo. But she sent us a recording of herself that was like, here's how you do it. You can click 2x to hear things faster. When you hold down the button, you're recording. And so while I was watching the explanation, I thought it sounded kind of complicated, but I tried it. And like within a day, we sent like 50 polos. Again, that's not what they're called. I'll call them Marpos. <laughs> I'm like a mom who's like, send me an Insta Twitter. Right. <laughs> like, it's just not a term, but I'm using it. And so my long, long description of this is just that it is joyful. We feel so connected. And the thing about it is you can flip the camera. So it's not really about seeing yourself talk at all. And it is much more about like, you know, showing the dog, showing your cute kid. Like it's we all showing use the it. dog. We have all filmed our dogs and shared them together. To if you like, want to know the real reason they use this it's for all the dog videos no i think you guys like it because also since a lot of what you guys talk about is your houses is that it's a lot easier when you're asking a question or trying to show someone update about something you can share that via video instead of describing it via text we'll get a message from one of them or we'll send one to say like hey this is where my project is at do you have an idea or like i'm having a problem with this or i just want to commiserate because this thing is not going right and the video just makes it so much easier and quicker to understand yes and the boys are not on it and let me tell you guys they are jealous as all get out we're not jealous (laughs) we're just concerned they're all texting each other like why are they all in marco polo what are they doing on there yes scott vargo texted me last night it says it seems to be consuming our wives at an alarming rate (laughs) thanks for listening to young house love has a podcast and please don't be a walter Mitty and keep our podcast as part of your secret life yes i remembered as soon as we stopped recording it's the secret life of walter Mitty. i was kind of close with adventures of yes but my point is if you like listening to our podcast please let others know about it you could marco polo it privately to your friends or instagram it publicly to your followers however you do it we appreciate the shares and please tag us so we can see what you do while you listen like katie aka the non-consumer advocate on twitter who said that she listened while reupholstering a four dollar thrift store footstool and over at younghouselove.com slash podcast in this week's show notes i'll link up that shower curtain rod and some old posts about selling our last houses yes including the one that specifically talks about if we made a profit selling our first house spoiler alert we didn't we did not later bye Inevitably, they fall down at some point. And you'll be like across the house and you'll hear, bow, 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 bow. And you'll be like. We do that a little softer. (laughs) That was an intense bowing. You kind of broke the microphone. (laughs) Right. You'll be across the house and you'll hear like, bang, bada, bang, bang, bang. And you'll be like, what the heck was that? And you'll walk. You can do a little louder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's find a schmedium for that. (laughs) I don't know if I have a third bow in me. (laughs) Okay.